Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's is locally owned and operated with over 1,000 varieties of beers. They have wines from around the world, fine single malts, and rare whiskeys. Download their app today and use promo code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. This offer ends January 31st. They have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Or you can get your purchase conveniently delivered to your door. Remember, that's code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your first order of $25 or more. Now, let's jump into the show. And go ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers. He'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two run, home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Either way, use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, Probably many episodes, actually. This is going to be a multi-parter. Almost no way I'm going to be able to get to all the things I want to talk about today in one hour. I'm going to be here for a minute. i got some people in on the Facebook Live. I've got some people in on the Periscope. And I think that's largely going to dictate uh, the structure of the conversation. But the topics of the day are essentially this. You know them, you love and or hate them, and it is. The Astros slash Red Sox and other teams probably getting involved here. Cheating scandal, the sign-stealing thing. we got to get into all that. Some developments on the Nolan Arenado rumor mill. Uh, Not a ton, but still I know there are some extra questions there, some things that have come out. I want to update all of you on my feelings about that. The announcement about 20 minutes before I started recording here that the Colorado Rockies have decided finally to retire Larry Walker's number. I want to give a few thoughts on what's going on with Jerry Schemmel and 850KOA. So there's just a ton to get into here. I want to, like I said, though, kind of begin with whatever the most pertinent questions are here, because these are all very big topics, and I'm going to need to return to them in future podcasts, uh, both with Patrick Lyons and with good friend of the show, Jake Story of John Boy Media, uh, obviously to talk. They've been all over this Houston Astros sign-stealing thing from the very beginning. And so I'll start here uh, with the, well, the first comment that came in on the Periscope came from uh, Trawartha Sean, who just says, Jersey retired 
finally. Yes, the Colorado Rockies announced today that they have retired Larry Walker's, or they will be retiring Larry Walker's number 33 jersey on April the 19th. It's an afternoon game, a 1.10 p.m. start against the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, who uh, also the uh, uh, one of the other two teams, uh, of course the Expos being the third, that Walker spent his career with. So that's also nice that, that you would think that you know, members of that organization will be happy to see him honored as well. As most of you know, if you've been following me for a while, I did a big article last offseason about this very topic. And I, I, I'm i a very, I'm a, like on all of these things, I, I have a myriad of moods about this. First of all, let's start with the most important thing, which is good, right, correct. Well done, well deserved, and as uh, Nathaniel says here, well deserved, well overdue. Absolutely correct. And I don't want to harp too much on the overdue thing. Look, my general attitude in life has always been you can't go back and change it. You can't go back and fix it. At the same time, this is mildly frustrating because all of the ballots have been turned in for the Hall of Fame. The The context of my article at the time was that there was one thing that the Rockies organization could and should do to push Walker over the top to convince any other lingering doubt from the outside world that they should vote for Walker for the Hall of Fame. But the fact that this announcement doesn't come until after... 10 years worth of votes have been cast and potentially still not enough for Walker is a little bit frustrating. I feel like if they'd have done this during the season last year, it may have actually had an impact here. It could have swung a few votes and this thing may come down to a few votes. And so while it's a really good thing that the Colorado Rockies are, are retiring Walker's number, we should all be celebratory of it. And on the day, I'm not going to bring up any of this stuff, and, and we should all just stand in celebration. But I do think it's worth remembering here for just a moment that, you know, they, they could have done this better. This could have helped. And if Walker gets in anyway, then I guess it's all water under the bridge. Who cares? But, you know, I, oof, I, I, I think they could have done more. I think if they were going to do this, if they were going to retire Walker's number, they they could have picked a time when it would have had a lot more impact rather than just the normal impact of, of it's an honor to have your number retired, right? So th that is a little bit frustrating but let's not let's not rain on the parade. It's great news for Rockies fans. It's good that Dick Monfort, has decided to do this. It's great for Larry. I'm sure he'll be thrilled. Um, so, so all that stuff is is pretty fantastic. All right, at Br Carey says the buzzer scandal would be the same as telling a defense in football if a play would be a run or a pass. Um, yeah, and probably even more specifically than that, um, you know, even like to what side? Like it. This is okay. This is really, really really bad. And I'm going to have to parse it out over several long conversations. Um, 
you actually just reminded me here with that analogy because I included something similar in a video I just filmed yesterday down at DNVR headquarters. Uh, we, we have these explainer videos, and hopefully you guys have seen these. And we have to keep them to, at most, 2 minutes and 20 seconds. And I really wanted to put something out there that could break down the difference between traditional sign stealing and this electronic version that people are in trouble for now in as, as simple a terms as possible. And obviously in this two minutes and 20 second time frame, I was afforded. And so the video should be out there before too long. I'd be very interested to see what you all think of it if I manage to, to make it clear. Uh, but we can get into more details on the podcast here. And so... This is very difficult to know where to begin, and I, I feel like I should almost go back to the very beginning for a second here and say, first of all, there's a reason electronic sign stealing is explicitly prohibited, and there's a reason that these punishments have come down. That I'll, I'll get in, you know what, let's do this. I'll get into the details of the scandal once I've had time to read everything else. Uh, I'd like to, as I, I said earlier, talk to Jake's story about it. But I will agree here with C. Jameson93, who says the title should be stripped. Same with the Bosox. I don't know. I don't know. I need to, again, I need to know more about the details here. But the more and more we learn that the Astros, it wasn't just banging on trash cans and it wasn't just, I mean, they're, they're wearing pieces. The footage of Jose Altuve. I'm sorry, I'm actually getting a little bit emotional. The footage of Jose Altuve covering up his jersey, holding his, his jersey tight to his chest so that his teammates won't, have a natural celebration with him because if they tear off his jersey, he'll have been caught cheating. It breaks my heart. It breaks my baseball-loving heart. I loved Jose Altuve. This is bad. Knowing what pitch is coming affects the game more than taking steroids, more than a juiced ball, more than betting on the outcome of a game you're involved in or managing. This level of cheating is nigh unprecedented in a game that has had a lot of cheating scandals. And with everything else going on, for the commissioner to come out, look, and, and I know to some people they seem like harsh penalties, but a year-long suspension for the GM and the manager who were at the head of this thing, those are the leaders. Nothing for the players. The Astros get to come back with the same team. Just announce, hey, $21 million for George Springer next year. And we're all just supposed to look at that like it's normal. 
And this gets worse before it gets better. More details, more players, more teams are going to be implicated. Finger pointing. Our guy Kirby is right. If a small market team did this, they would have been punished more. I do think that there's an element of them not wanting to completely decimate one of the sort of signature franchises in Major League Baseball right now. We're really to believe that the owner, Crane, didn't know anything, that, that he really had no idea that this was going on? That everybody else did? But not him? And it calls into question so many other things. You know, and, and Adhaha Perez says, what if he didn't want his jersey ripped off for some other reason? Maybe the jersey is going on his wall. Look, there are a lot of steps here where you could say that any one of these things could have been something else. And the it could have been confetti on Josh Reddick and Alex Bregman's comment about knowing what pitch was coming in a post game could have just been a joke that in hindsight looks much worse, but he didn't know this was coming. So, you know, whatever, but, ah, I, there's, there's just too much evidence and they've already been caught. Like they've already been punished. And this is the thing that's super frustrating about what major league baseball has done with these punishments by issuing them at all. They've admitted that the Astros broke the rules, right? There's no, there's no arguing the point now. These guys have been fired. You know, another manager has been fired. Four draft picks have been given up, which, you know, is nothing for what they've done. As I sent out on Twitter several days ago, you know, would you give up $5 million, four draft picks, and a year of your manager and GM to win a World Series? 95% of people said, of course I would. First, can I can we all give a huge shout out to the five percent of people who interpreted that as uh, me endorsing cheating and just came out very strong against it, or just in general came out very strong against cheating? I am so with those people. That was my point, of course. As those of you who know me know, but I love the five percent of people who say absolutely not. I wouldn't take it. I'd be ashamed of my franchise. I wouldn't think that the championship was real. I, I, I wouldn't be a fan anymore. Like, I love those people. But they were firmly, overwhelmingly in the minority. And the reason I phrased it the way I did is because if it's true that 95% of fans would take that bargain, then that punishment's not good enough. That is not good enough. It's not even close. Lifetime bans should be on the table. Players should be in trouble. Contracts should be voided. MVPs and titles should seriously be considered of being stripped. And look, I know they got the parade. You can't take away the parade. And fine, more power to them. This is beyond the pale. 
Wild the Innocent asking about the $5 million cap. Yeah, the, or, or mentioning here, yeah, it, it, it was come up with by the owners. And this is the kind of thing where they go, well, you know, it was the most we could do. It was like, yeah, it was the most you could do because you put yourself in this position in the first place. There's only so much scandal they want to admit here. But they, they, they needed to do more. Major League Baseball dropped the ball here. Kirby, I'd love to bring Mace on and talk about this whole thing. <laughs> Mr. Double says, I stole a bunch of street signs when I was a kid and got a harsher punishment. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. And it's just... Are, is this going to be held against Jose Altuve's eventual Hall of Fame case? At least as much as Coors Field is held against Larry Walker? Shoeless Joe Jackson and Pete Rose are banned for baseball from life for, quite frankly, less. And I get those are different times, different eras. I, I have to hope, I have to believe that the punishments aren't done coming down and that this buzzer thing may be an additional, a whole additional thing. Because it wasn't included in the original, you know, description of the of the crimes, as it were. And here's the other thing that's super frustrating about this whole story: how much Major League Baseball has dragged their feet, and the things that have come out around it. Some of the people trying to dismiss it or disguise it as not a big deal, or Jessica Mendoza trying to act like Mike Fires was. Really, like, he's the bad guy in all of this. The one guy who had a spine and stood up and told the truth and said the cheating stops. Knowing that it was going to make him an outcast among some people who have this really strange mentality that what's more important is some kind of weird idea of loyalty that you'd be more loyal to people who are breaking the, the rules than those who are following them. More loyal to them than to your fans. Than to the kids who root for you. The children who wear your jersey. I am beyond disappointed. Not entirely sure where the parameters of our, our language system are here on the podcast sometimes, but I think I'm within the bounds to say I'm pissed. At the Astros, at the Red Sox, at Lunhau and Hinch and Cora, and Beltron, and whoever else is engaged in it. And, and one of the biggest reasons why I'm pissed and why you should be too is because now you have... A million fair questions. A million of them. Rockies have had to play the Astros in interleague the last couple of years. Pretty much decimated their season this last year. May have cost them the division the year before. And there and there are a bunch of other teams in baseball looking at that. But it's not just that. Now you get to start asking questions of everybody. It's like in the steroid era where now when a guy hits 50 home runs, you look at him sideways. 
every player who comes back next year and their batting average has dropped off 40 points, or if there are entire teams that have done that, we're going to be looking at them sideways, going, oh, were you only good? Imagine the Astros come back and a, and a, a team full of guys who was hitting 300 and they had eight All-Stars last year. Now they're all hitting 270. And we're forced to question the legitimacy of most of what we've witnessed over the last five, six, seven, eight years in the game of baseball. Colorado sports nut. Don't forget the start when Tyler Anderson got shelled against the Astros. And some people might be inclined to go, oh, it's because Tyler Anderson. He was pitching really, really well at that time. Lonely Whaler says Clevenger has a great interview on the topic. They can't lock... Uh, they can't look any of us in the eye. Right. I mean, this is... Our pitcher's going to be throwing at Astros hitters. What else is going to come out? All kinds of speculation. I just start wondering stuff, guys. And this, it sucks. Why aren't the Dodgers out there right now saying, we got screwed out of two World Series championships? Look at this. They could be. They lost in back-to-back World Series against two teams who have now been very clearly implicated and more or less found guilty of cheating. So why aren't the Dodgers out on all the social media, out talking to all the journalists saying, we did it clean and we got screwed? Is it maybe because the first half of that sentence isn't true? Excuse me. And again, that's 100% speculation. Although, one of the things that's happened is, if you you follow this stuff real closely, Logan Morrison, who's played for, I think, everybody in baseball, on his Instagram came out and implicated both the Yankees and the Dodgers, along with the Red Sox and the Astros. And, and that's what I'm saying. This isn't done. That's going to happen more and more. Teams are going to start pointing at other teams. Players are going to start pointing at other players. Anything that's suspicious. And some of it's not even going to be legit. Some of it's just going to be, ah, God, maybe he stole the sign the old way. Or maybe he just really did guess what you were going to throw. It's the worst part about it. We don't know. Are batting averages and home runs across the board going to be down next year? Is some weird team going to get... Right now, it's all these really good teams that are implicated, right? Even through rumors. Like, I'm waiting for one to come out and throw it off, and that'll give the the naysayers or the people who want to make less of this, you know, that'll give them a little bit of cover to come out and say, well, the Cincinnati Reds were caught doing it too, and they suck, so apparently it's not that big a deal. Right? I'm still waiting for, like, that shoe to drop. But there are... I mean, there are just a lot of players and teams... I'm starting to look sideways at. And and Haha Perez says, I'm not cool with the cheating, but I don't want him to hand the championship to the Yanks or the Dodgers. And I'm, I'm really iffy on that stuff too. I don't know that you give the championship to somebody else. Um, I think you just strip the title from the Houston Astros and maybe in the history books just leave a big asterisk or, or explanation there. It's a vacant title. Um, this is this is just an absolute sh- sh- show. 
It's a show. It's a show is what it is. I've already tested the, the, <laughs> the bounds of the language. Um, but, you know, I read an article recently that argued essentially that Major League Baseball can't do more because it's too messy and difficult and there's no real precedent for it. And I say poppycock, balderdash, humbug, silliness, nonsense. I, I say BS. Look, if, if, if you think this is a fair punishment, if you think this will be a disincentive for teams to cheat like this in the future, then make that case and say, you know what? Fair punishment. Let's all move on with our day. But this idea that we can't strip the title because it creates a question about do we hand it to somebody else? Do we leave it vacant? Oh man, now it's getting too hard. I don't want to think about it. Never mind. Let's just not do anything. That that to me is unacceptable. And it's weird. And, and it's, of course, dealing with all of this parallel to these narratives about all the things the Rockies organization should be doing to put rumors about Nolan Arenado to rest and how we've got to hold the Colorado Rockies organization, an organization that's never won its division, to this incredibly high standard. But for Major League Baseball, we can say, well, when it gets difficult, maybe just don't do that much about the cheating and allow it to continue. And I I just can't... That can't, that's not good enough because it's too hard, because it presents other questions, because there's no precedent for it in the four major league sports. That, that was literally, I mean, this was a top writer. And I get, you know, there is precedent for it, first of all, in the Olympics. They strip gold medals for doping, for, for drug cheating. This, it, I, I need to make this absolutely clear. And then... I need to give a shout out to our sponsors before I have a, a brain aneurysm. But um, Cade Walker says one suggestion I saw included stripping the World Series winner of their bonus uh, of the bonuses from winning the World Series. Yeah, come on, let's can't, can't we at least do that? Colorado Sportsnet says NCAA vacates titles and wins all the time. It shouldn't be that hard. That's right. You, you've got to set a precedent here that this is not acceptable. And I've heard some people come out and say, well, you know, now that they've laid out these punishments, that these are big. And then anyone who does it again, because it's a second time offender, it'll be that much more. And I'm going, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't know that it's going to be effective in that way. I, I don't think these punishments are enough to make other teams who are engaged in these practices, they might pare it down a little bit, but I don't think it's enough to curb the practice of electronic sign stealing. And it leaves open the doors to question the legitimacy of the fundamental aspect of the game of baseball. And it makes me incredibly sad because I love this game. And I love the battle between pitcher and hitter, the mental battle between pitcher and hitter, and that's what's most offensive about this to me, is that it takes that battle out. You want to be the best baseball player in the world? Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa or Alex Bregman, you want to be the best baseball player in the world, which you might, you're probably capable of being. You probably have that talent. 
learn the mind game of baseball. Figure out when a fastball is coming. Outthink the pitcher because that's part of the game. It's been a mental game for 150 years, and the Houston Astros figured out a way to circumvent it, and some other teams apparently. Let's take the mental element out of the game of baseball. Make it purely a physical contest. And that, to me, that, that's not baseball. It, it, it undermines the entire idea. It makes video game baseball more legitimate because you can't know for sure what's coming. There's no way to do that. It needs to be ended unequivocally and immediately. All right, on a lighter note for a second here, I just want to remind everyone that we're having a big party for the announcement of the Hall of Fame. Hopefully we'll hear Larry Walker has been inducted. I do want to make a course correction here. We had been intending on having it over at Sports Column. It's actually going to be over at Blake Street Tavern. I'd worry about a late change in location like this if it wasn't another place that's right there on the same street. So, you know, any of you who are already planning on coming, don't worry about changing your, your travel plans at all. It's, it's a place that's just right there in the exact same area you'd be going to anyway. But yes, we will be over at Blake Street Tavern on the 21st, uh, starting sometime probably around 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. The announcement is supposed to be at 4. We'll be doing some fun stuff. Uh, we'll be giving away beer uh, so if you RSVP, make sure to RSVP, you'll be able to get a Breck Brew on us. Uh, we'll probably be doing some raffles for some t-shirts, uh, probably uh, figure out a way. If I can figure out a way to do some trivia, I will. We'll be doing live podcasting, all types of fun stuff. There should be a lot of people there who are uh, dignitaries of the Colorado baseball world. Uh, sounds like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but whatever. Uh, but it does sound like Wayne Hagen, Thomas Harding. Uh, there's going to be some pretty awesome people down there, including a lot of you super awesome Rockies fans. So make sure that you RSVP for that event on the 21st, again, at Blake Street Tavern. It's going to be an afternoon of drinking and crying and laughing and hugging and, and hopefully celebrating. Guess what? There's only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. And also guess what? They're giving the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. That's right. The only place you can find a true Colorado mountain mouth-watering pie is Bojo's. And they are hooking you up with free honey cheese bread. Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all of your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. 
They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Really no reason not to just hang out at Bojo's all the time. So head to the nearest location, grab an entree and your free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. And tell them who sent you. Also, of course, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Mile High Green Cross who will, you know, get you in the mood for a little bit of Bojo's because they have got Cannabis Cup award-winning products. Head down to their store and sign up for their loyalty program. When you do, you will get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. That's right. They're hooking up DNVR fam with 20% off your entire purchase. This offer extends to members that are already in their loyalty program as well. Just mention DNVR. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and B3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for a hundred bucks. Mile High Green Cross offers outdoor pricing. No cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts Hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know it's super important for me in this hectic and crazy life, so it probably is for you too. Head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway. They also offer parking in the back. Remember to sign up and save 20% off your entire purchase once per month. All right, so I was going to get away from the sign-stealing stuff for just a moment, but this question I got in here on the Facebook Live from Bill reminded me of something else that I did want to discuss. And like I said, I want to let the comments kind of dictate the structure of how we're having these conversations. And so the next thing I wanted to say, and, and his question was, basically, doesn't baseball just have a history of cheating? Isn't cheating just kind of wrapped up in the game and you know why why are some people making like me making a much bigger deal out of this than say some of the other cheating scandals and there needs to be an understood distinction between gamesmanship and cheating and that might sound like a load of bs nonsense but there are some very clear-cut differences between gamesmanship and cheating. Typically, <laughs> the rule book. I mean, usually, it's just explicitly written down in the rule book when you're not allowed to do certain things. Um, but there are all kinds of things that are just not really discussed in the rule book, right? There's no parameters for it one way or the other. And these things tend to fall in the realm of gamesmanship. If you're working the official, and and typically I'm not a huge fan of most types of gamesmanship, but they can be really important to the mental aspect of the game. Anything from working the official or the umpire so that you get a better call the next time around to 
uh, trash talking your opponent to try to get into their head a little bit so that they might make a mistake or feel the pressure of a moment. Um, there are all kinds of little things that you can do that really aren't dictated one way or another by the rules. And one of those is the traditional method of sign stealing, which is when a guy is standing out at second base and he's looking in at the catcher and he's able to decipher the signals himself. And then he's able to relay that information back to the hitter who's then able to take advantage of it. The biggest difference, other than it just being in the rule, so, so why is there a rule against the electronic way of doing it and not against that, which still seems to be skirting the issue, right? And I, and I got really impassioned a moment ago about not using your mental ability to be successful at the game of baseball and instead kind of circumventing that. So why doesn't this do that? Well, the main reason is because you're still, you still have to use your mental capacity, right? The guy at second base still has to figure out a really complex set of signs, which takes the human mind a little while to do, where it takes a computer one or two or three sequences to figure out, even if you've just changed it. So there's almost no risk involved when you're doing it with a computer, where when you're doing it with the human brain, you're taking a risk at every single level. One, that you've successfully cracked the code. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you just think you have, but you've been thrown off by something inside the code that was designed to throw you off. Then you've got to have a set of signals of your own that you can send to the batter that are both one effective that the batter knows to look for can see standing out at second base and that he's not distracted from what he's trying to do with the plate by trying to look out at you at second base and see if you're sending any hand signals he's got to trust that you're right and that you've got it cracked and then that whole process has to be disguised well enough so the pitcher and catcher don't know that you're doing it. Otherwise, the catcher can just call timeout, run out to the mound, and switch up the signs. Kirby says, the Astros cheated so bad I forgot about the Patriots. That's hilarious. Blake says, at Blake Rapp says, athletes want to compete and win. Gamesmanship is using your on-field insight for a competitive advantage. Right. As much as I never liked it when Kobe Bryant would work the referees and get calls for it, as much as I'm iffy on, you know, things like flopping is, is a type of gamesmanship, and that really walks the line, right? You could even argue that pitch framing is a type of gamesmanship. But Blake is correct when he draws the distinction saying cheating is when you're using off-field insight for that advantage. And again, that specifically breaks the rules. Other thing crashed over here, so I just got to go uh, back on the, the Facebook. So yes, while I, I understand why there are those who were tempted to just loop what's going on now with the Astros and whoever else gets wrapped up in this 
into just a history of baseball and scandals and cheating and drugs and all this other stuff, this is distinctly different. Even then all even in the steroid stuff, as much as I hate it when people point this out, it is a fact that during the 90s, Major League Baseball did not have an on-the-record, you know, rule about not using performance-enhancing drugs. And so it does get a little bit difficult to go back in hindsight and be super harsh on those players. I do believe that they understood what they were doing was unfair. And I think, like with this Astros thing, when you look at the lengths somebody goes to cover up what they're doing, that's a pretty good indication that they know what they're doing is wrong. And that it's giving them an unfair advantage. And that's what happened here. And so... Let's not, as much as I also don't like Barry Bonds clearly taking steroids in order to smash the home run record and grow his hat size five times in his 30s, it's not the same. This is worse. Because it was also systematic. In a lot of other scandals, too, Pete Rose being one of them, though there's a little bit more because he was in charge. But a lot of times it's one or two people out there doing a thing. Bad thing they shouldn't be doing. This required a systematic effort. Elaborate operations from the front office and scouts and players. The players cannot get off scot-free in this. That would be embarrassing with all the other things that some, some players throughout the history of baseball have gotten in trouble for. This is, yeah. All right, let's move off the topic for just a minute. If anybody has further questions on it, keep bringing them and, and I will continue to answer those. But I did want to give a few thoughts on the Jerry Schemmel situation because I know fans, and I, I was actually super thrilled to see this. Fans are not happy of the news that iHeartRadio and 850 KOA have let go of Colorado Rockies color man and sometimes play-by-play guy actually as well, Jerry Schemmel. The way he and Jack Corrigan would do it most recently was that they would switch off innings between which guy's doing play-by-play and which guy was doing color. And I don't have any inside information on this other than uh, I've gotten to know Jerry really well over the last four, five, six years. And um, I was shocked. I think he's one of the very best in the business. I think he and Jack Corrigan have a particularly excellent rapport. I I think he's one of the good guys in the game. I think he's an ambassador for the game of baseball. I just individually enjoyed listening to him on the radio. And I enjoyed talking to him down 
at the ballpark and getting his insights. And, you know, he was always one of those guys that's just asking you, you know, hey, I haven't seen you since the last road trip or the last homestand. How you doing? You know, what have you been up to? What's going on? Or I saw that thing you wrote. Like, seriously, I saw that thing you wrote. thought it was really good. Have you thought about this? Or what have you been working on lately? Hey, you know, and, and, and I just, I don't know what's going on over there, but I have been thrilled to see the outpouring of support for Jerry Schemmel on Twitter and, and, and a number of other places. I think some people have even started, you know, change.org positions to try to get him to come back. I... I mean, I I don't get it. I don't understand what the decision-making process is here. I don't know what the priorities are over at iHeartRadio. And, you know, it's just not my area of expertise. But I can't imagine there's a better use of their resources than maintaining a talent and a human being the caliber of Jerry Schemmel. He's the voice of the Denver Nuggets for, I think, 7,000 years and has been an integral part of the Colorado Rockies for the last however many and a consummate professional and just a member of the family. And so it's really weird. And, and it should be understood, too, that this isn't... I saw some people online get mad at the Rockies for this. This is not on the Rockies at all. Um, Very curious to see what happens here with this decision, though. Who they go get to replace Jerry, and that might give us some indication that this was a cost-saving measure, or, you know, I in a best-case scenario, I could see them going younger and maybe even going with somebody like Jenny Kavnar and you know, that could be an ultimate win here because I think she reaches a younger audience. She reaches a more stat heavy audience. Obviously I think she's going to reach women a little bit more, but I, I think if they, you know, go out and they get a fresher voice that they could turn this into a positive because I do think that in general, the entire television and radio broadcast being made up of people that more or less all come from the same demographic isn't always the best, but I think that's the only way that they could turn this really into a positive. If they just go get another kind of lifetime radio broadcaster type guy who just costs less and throw him in there uh, with Corrigan, I don't know. I'm bummed about this. Uh, it's it, it's a huge bummer. I agree with uh, Trevartha Sean here. Um. I listen to the radio. All, I listen to games on the radio all the time. It's I think I've said it before. It's just traditionally how I've consumed baseball in my life. Um, Blake asked if I would love to see AT and T uh, pick him up. Any chance of that? I have no idea. I would think that you know Jerry would have a lot of opportunities. Would have a lot of people approaching him with gigs. Um, you know, I don't know what he wants to do. Uh, I I would imagine he'd prefer to continue to call games on the radio. He's really good at it. It's what he's been doing. Um, I just don't know where there's a a place for him to do that. 
So, uh, Hoover, no, I will not be replacing Jerry Schemmel on uh, color commentary at 850K away. Maybe, maybe the next time around. I don't think I'm quite qualified for that position just yet at this moment in my career. But uh, I'd, I'd be cheaper. That's probably true. I'd, I'd certainly be uh, a lot cheaper. I want to answer a couple of other questions here uh, that I got either through email or uh, on the site. Remember, that's also a really good way to make for sure that I see your question, though sometimes it can be uh, a little bit after the fact still. I do get to them eventually. Oh, before I get to these questions, one more comment here on the Periscope from at Brimel or Brimel. Uh, given what iHeart said about planned changes, they may drop Rocky's broadcast. I don't know uh, much about that. I don't know anything about that. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the future of Rocky's radio has in store for all of us. That's for sure. Got one here from Laurel, who, first of all, thank you for your Christmas card. That was absolutely wonderful. Uh, I, I, I cried a little bit. I'll admit it. Uh, but she wants to know, what are my thoughts on Drew Goodman's comments on a possible trade for Nolan on high heat earlier this week? So, yeah, this was interesting. It was a little bit eye-opening. And I still think, you know, he, he chose his words very carefully. I saw some people reacting to it saying, Goodman said he didn't think Nolan was ever going to get traded, and now he says he does. It's like, no, now he's, he said he thought there was no chance, and now he thinks there's a chance. And, you, you know, that that is worth paying attention to. I think after watching it, I'll, I'll give you my biggest shift in tone, I guess, on this issue. Uh, and, and it's been, in a large extent, also informed by that Goodman interview. And that is, I think there's a way here where a fracture in the relationship could really occur. I don't think it's happened yet. I don't think that there's anything that's happened that, you know, the Rockies can't come back from and Nolan's just super angry at them and, and there's no way to undo it. But I, I do think that the Rockies could be in real trouble if they get off to a bad start in 2020. And because of that, I think, you know, that the, there's a little bit more leg to the Nolan Arenado rumors than I previously did. I still don't think there's much of a chance he gets traded before the season Again, I think it's going to take a bad start for the Rockies. But where before I was thinking, even with a bad start, um, they can parlay this into next season, I could see it becoming a poisonous environment early and them deciding just to pull the lever on whatever best offer they get and actually trading Nolan Arenado, where before I thought there was almost no chance that that happened. Now I think there's, I don't know, 15 to 20% chance that that happens again if the Rockies get off to this really terrible start. And so, you know, it also depends on how likely you think it is that that is what ends up happening. And the other question I wanted to take on that subject comes from NC Rockies fan who says, question for you, can you please remind me what specific question was asked when Nolan reportedly replied that it felt uh, like this feels like a rebuild? Getting a refresher on the context there would be most appreciated. Well, 
I am Mr. Context, if nothing else, right? Here's a part of the problem with that. We don't know entirely. The It feels like a rebuild comment. There, there were, I think there were two of them. One was just kind of in the middle of a, a scrum, and I don't think there was much context to it. The one that's most often referred to was in a private conversation with Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. And so because that quote was on record, but most of the rest of the conversation was not, we don't know. We don't know what the context of that comment was. And that's why, in my view, Jeff Breidich kind of refused to answer that question at the year-end meeting, right? Because he was basically saying, I'm not going to respond to something Nolan Arenado told you in private if you're not going to give me the full context of it. And then I understand why Patrick Saunders would say, well, I'm not really at liberty to give you the full context of it because it was off the record. But it puts both Breidich and Arenado in a little bit of a tight spot because was it just a quick moment of anger? What did he mean by it feels like a rebuild? Just that the team was playing bad, that there were a lot of young guys playing in September, which he knew would be a temporary thing, but he was just kind of lamenting that at the end of the year, they weren't in it. And it felt like those years when they were rebuilding, but he knows they're not doing that. It just feels that way. We don't have any of that context. And it's part of the reason why I've chosen not to use that part of the story as a big talking point on this issue. Unfortunately, a lot of the national writers have used it as the absolute crux of their summation that Nolan Arenado is mad at the Rockies because he said that thing about the rebuild at the end of the year. Now, do I think Nolan Arenado is super thrilled right now? I do not. I imagine he's incredibly frustrated. Do I think that will last beyond a potential 8-3 and three start to the season? I do not. I don't think... I, I, I think people... It's going to be a weird thing to say, but if you haven't spent a lot of time around Nolan Arenado... Uh, I don't think you, you're quite familiar with how quickly a good stretch of baseball can put him right back into a good mood and erase everything that was happening before. I even think there's a possibility he gets down to spring training, he sees Trevor Story, David Dahl, Kyle Freeland, he starts working out with his buddies, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, I was frustrated this offseason, but let's go. It's time to get to work. <laughs> That's what I think is the most likely outcome for this. But I do think there are people reaching these you know, summations based on that. And so that's why I, I think that's a really fa fantastic question that you sent in and why I wanted to read it. So thank you for that. NC Rockies fan. This one comes from the Periscope at B10. Devon says, who has the best chance to win fourth and fifth spot in rotation? <coughs> Excuse me. In my estimation, uh, your leaders there are Peter Lambert and Antonio Senzatella. Uh, I think Lambert is your best candidate for guy to 
really step forward and way outperform probably what are the the medium range of expectations for him right now since he's you know was really shaky last year at times after being thrown into the fire but I, I could really see him taking that next step forward if he has a strong spring I think a, a rotation spot is his and I think that that makes sense I, I think he'll be much better and ready at 23 years old with that experience under his belt I think he's the type of guy who learns from getting knocked around uh, and, and I think he's going to put that to use I'm going to pencil in Peter Lambert as your fourth starter and then I think fifth starter is pretty wide open. In my mind, uh, leading candidate right now is Antonio Senzatella. He just has the most experience at the big league level. He's even pitched well in the postseason before. Uh, he's not super exciting, but uh, even if you took kind of the, the average of his production from a year ago and spread it out over the course of a season, you take that as a fifth starter. If he can limit one or two of those blow-up outings, he can really become a value for you. Uh, Hoffman, you're correct, is out of options. I could see him getting into the bullpen. I could see with a really song, sp strong spring, easy for me to say, him grabbing that fifth rotation spot. Uh, I, like I said, I, I think it's going to be up for grabs a little bit. But I, I think Hoffman's going to factor in. I do think they'll take a look at him in the bullpen. I think if Hoffman has a bad spring, he could end up just being DFA. And, you know, there's a, there's a number of guys in that category. I think Chichi Gonzalez is a little bit underrated here. I think he could work his way into that fifth rotation spot. If he looks good and solid uh, in spring training, he finished the season really well. Uh, we talked to him on this podcast right at the end of the year about him finally putting everything together. Uh, this guy had really high draft pedigree. He's got a great mind for the game. It'll be interesting to see if Chichi Gonzalez can be an answer here. Tim Melville's going to be around. So the fifth rotation spot's going to be a, a toss-up between all those guys. In my mind, Senzatella, though, is at the top of that depth chart as it stands right now. I'm going to call this a podcast. I think I'm going to come back on a little bit later in the day and answer a few more questions for a second one on some of these same topics. There's still more to talk about with regards to the scandal. I know I probably won't do as much on that. We'll, we'll get a little bit deeper into some of the Nolan stuff. Uh, I think we've covered the Larry Walker and Jerry Schemmel thing, so I also wanted to get into uh, some of the projections for the Rockies this upcoming year, particularly fan graphs, I thought had some interesting things. And uh, yeah, just other than that, keep hanging in there. Keep continuing to be awesome and following all of our stuff on social media and subscribing and doing all that good stuff. I'll keep continuing to be Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. 
I started drinking it because I have degenerative arthritis and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers. It does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.